Welcome to the Minimalist Educator Podcast, a podcast about paring down to refocus on the purpose and priorities in our roles with co-hosts and co-authors of the Minimalist Teacher Book, Tammy Musiowski-Vorneman and Christine Arnold. In today's episode, we discuss how reconceptualizing waste can help us declutter our work and our lives. We recognize and discuss different types of waste we need to combat. Today's Pair Down Pointer is about making sure you're not taking your work home with you. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Educator Podcast. Uh, Today, Tammy and I are talking about reconceptualizing waste. Thanks for being here with me, Tammy. Anytime, Christine. I love our conversations, especially when we're talking about reconceptualizing something. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Even if it is trash and waste. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so we do often think about waste in terms of trash, in terms of unwanted items. Um, So we do want to encourage people today to expand our thinking about waste. Um, So how can Mm -hmm. we do that and and how can we think about how waste manifests itself in our work in education? I think manifest is a really powerful word here because it it feels like it does manifest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because there are just so many things that in whatever role you're in, like you could be a, a paraprofessional or a teaching assistant, teacher, coach, administrator, superintendent, whatever, there's just this manifestation of stuff that collects. Maybe not a um, consistently within your role, right? But like, think when you start a new role, there's so many things to learn and sort through and figure out. Um, and not saying it's all like waste or trash or anything like that, but it's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you get, um, then you kind of get into, you know, a bit of a role in your role, like a, you know, get some momentum going, you've learned some things and then you start uncovering a bunch of stuff that's just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of a, a role, I think it's kind of nice not knowing what you don't know, right? The things that have been sitting there, um, perhaps in that were sitting with the person that was in the role before you, mm-hmm. or um, yeah, it's just kind of not knowing those things. So you can kind of have come in with a fresh I- idea of what might happen. Um, and and form your own kind of conceptualization of what's going to be. So when we think about um, waste, we we usually think of physical waste, and we all encounter that in our spaces, right? So we all mm-hmm. have an office, or we all have a classroom, we all have some physical space that we work in. And this is a, a type of waste that we can all connect to. We all have been in spaces where there's stuff in there that we don't need and mm-hmm. it it causes us to um physical clutter causes stress and anxiety mm-hmm. so there's a bunch of research behind the the physical environment and how that impacts our mental health and um we kind of overlook that sadly so um when we when you move classrooms or move into a new office or something people always leave stuff behind Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't say always. Most of the time, most right? There's the stuff time. left there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's most, a fair Most call. of the time. Yeah, and um, that um, knowing that you're bringing your own things into that physical space is one thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you got to 
pack it up and move it in, figure out, like organize it, decide where it's all going. But when you're having to navigate someone else's physical stuff that's been left behind that doesn't have any meaning for you, or maybe not yet, like maybe there's some things that you will eventually need and have purpose, but it is so stressful. Mm-hmm. And we just like kind of push it off as a non-issue. So that kind of mental waste um, that stems from physical waste is really everybody in education experiences that everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm confident in saying that, <laughs> that all that every educator has encountered that. Yes. Right. Yeah, because, yeah, and then on top of that, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about, yes, you you may have inherited physical waste in your room and then you're bringing your own in, but then you also have the, the 20, 30 students uh, mm-hmm. in the room as well who, who may be creating or bringing in um, additional physical waste as well. So there's, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to deal with in, so in, the, yeah, in the room for sure. Yeah. And you had mentioned too in your question about like expanding our thinking about it, about waste and how it manifests. And I think that we, I mentioned the discounting of the mental clutter that we encounter because of physical clutter, but that's not always the case either. There's lots of kinds of waste that we encounter in our roles. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll break down a bunch that we talk about in the book too. And mm-hmm. um And we just overlook them, sadly. And like, it really takes uh, a mental toll on us as educators. Like, we wonder why we're so tired at the end, not even the end of a school year, but, you know, you think of like, even in the quarters, like Mm -hmm. October, there's like a slump where we just, we've kind of like come off this high of like starting the school year. And then you kind of realize like all the stuff that's happened to you and setting things up and then you know it's a rough time of year and then the countdown begins right after that for winter break (laughs) yeah you know like you're just like this this perpetual cycle of tiredness and that's not just from being in a cluttered physical space but that mental exhaustion from um like the emotional bit of stuff that we carry with us Mm -hmm. all the time because like you said there's 20 or 30 kids in a classroom and everybody's got something they bring in with them and it's positive or negative right good or bad but but it's energy and we have to maintain our own energy in some way right so Mm -hmm. if we're emotionally and psychologically on all the time it's just if we don't have a way to like siphon it or compartmentalize it Mm -hmm. there's just all of this baggage sitting there you know and like we hear about like emotional baggage from like personal relationships and family stuff and all of that but that's real in schools too like it's tiring yeah for sure it's really tiring I mean you, you we hear terms like care fatigue and decision fatigue and I think those mm-hmm. are absolutely um, the truth when it comes to the work that we do. Um, yeah. It's very much the case that we are um, caring about our students, not not just their academic performance, but their well-being and their health, et cetera, as well. Um, and so we are 
expending a lot of our um, emotional energy in caring for all of those young people. Um, And we are making a lot of decisions every day. I think it's really hard for people to fathom just what is going through teachers' heads when, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a constant like, what's the time? How long till the next break? All right, I've got this much time. How much can I get done? What did they just ask me? Let me answer that. Now that person's asking that over there. Do I deal with that person with the scissors or do I deal with that person with the glue stick? You know, there's these decisions (laughs) that are happening constantly um, every every hour of the day when you're with those students. And I think... um, you know, a lot of it is needed. It's not all waste. But right, I think exactly. I think there are things happening in our workplace that are adding to that, that are unnecessary, um, mm-hmm. that that means that it, it does tip over into into waste, I think. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, if there are some decisions that we can hand over or not have to make at all then um, yay, Mm -hmm. right? So even even as a teacher, you know, think about all the decisions you're making for your students when you don't need to. So like, how do you hand some of that over to them? And this is like a whole other big conversation in like multiple episodes and whatever about like transference of responsibility and student agency. But if you don't need your student and you know, any age, kindergarten or high school, or even like a colleague, right? Like if you don't need them to ask you the question because everybody's got a way to figure it out without asking you, then that's Mm -hmm. great because Mm -hmm. it's one or two less decisions or questions you have to answer. And that just reduces, it's noticeable. Like Mm -hmm. when you're, when even, and I hate to say this, but when there's certain students out sometimes, like the question askers um, or the the ones that need a little bit more attention, and th- if they're not there for a day, it's noticeable how much more energy you might have when you don't have to tend to some of the um, that extra effort and energy you have to give. For sure. And this, Absolutely. even as adults, right? Even as mm-hmm. adults, like, it's noticeable with like the amount of energy you need to give someone to like listen to what's happening, which mm-hmm. we need to do. We, you know, as as colleagues, we have to put the time and the care into each other for sure. But you can definitely feel when there's certain people that just use more of that, and. Yeah, it, it just becomes this kind of waste pattern where you're just constantly giving it and it's not necessary maybe. That's it, yeah. And it makes me think as well, I'm, I I can't remember the name of the book that I read this in now, which is going to annoy me, but um, I remember reading in a, in a book and they were talking about um, a job that they had previous to education And the difference Mm -hmm. in, you know, you have a bad day at work in another profession, you've just had a bad day. But if you have a bad day as a teacher, so often you feel like a bad person. So we have got yeah. so we've got so much emphasis on on our job and and it being wrapped up in our identity that we're putting mm-hmm. all of this on us and like how fatiguing is that when we're when we're you know aligning a bad set of experiences with our 
you know, morals or virtues as a human being, you know, like that's a lot of emotional energy that we're expending in our work. Yeah. And I think that crosses over um, into like another kind of waste, which is time waste. And, and we talk a lot about our use of time and, and how it, teachers always feel like we just, there's just not enough time to like cover all the content or like spend enough time with each kid. And, do all of the things that administrators are asking us or, um, or districts or whoever, right? Mm-hmm, like wherever the, the things are coming from. But um, you and I talk a, a, about how like some better uses of time. So do you want to share about like time blocking and like kind of that time protection a bit? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you hear a lot when people are talking about productivity, about blocking mm-hmm. out time. And sometimes I get a little frustrated with with that commentary because we're not in charge of our day as teachers. You know, somebody else makes a schedule that's based on, you know, when people are at work or when the gym's available or, you know, all these other other factors that have nothing to do with when you are at your most productive. Um, So, um, but I think where we can... Um, do some mm-hmm. some blocking, some chunking of time. It's really useful. Um, you know, one of the things that that has really resonated with me in my work is like the the time chunks and the time confetti. And so sometimes, not very often, but sometimes in our day, we have just five minutes here or ten minutes here where we can get something done before the kids come back or, um, you know, before you've got your meeting and. Um, having your to-do list categorized into what's going to take longer and what can be done quickly can be really, really helpful so that when you have that five minutes, you're not kind of paralyzed into there's so much to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. You've actually got a list of I could do these really quickly. Let me jump on one of them right now. And then so when you do have a longer planning block or you have some scheduled time before or after school or however you work in your day, you can then tackle um, the bigger the bigger items that are going to take a larger chunk of time. Um, so mm-hmm. that that's one of the one of the tips that we've been talking about as far as time waste how about you what works for you I feel like yeah like you mentioned those little things that take up they're kind of like time suckers right like checking your email and checking direct messages and blah 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 so something that I did to sort of protect my time so I wasn't spending as much time doing that maybe Mm -hmm. um, I made a a folder on my phone that's called daily app check Mm -hmm. and so I have in order kind of of importance, I guess, um, a few apps in there that I check every day. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to minimize like the time that I'm checking those. I haven't been as consistent, but at least I'm going to that one, <laughs> that one folder and I check my email first. And then once I've checked all those, then I go to the next app and check those. And it really doesn't take me that long then because I'm not like swiping through my phone. I'm not distracted by like other apps and like fiddling around or anything. I just do those in order and then, then I'm done. Right. So it's, it's, it's gone from like, you know, what would have been like 20 or 30 minutes of like, la 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 time on here Mm -hmm. it's now like five or ten depending on what's in there oh that's awesome and 
yeah, it makes a difference. And I know that some people um, are against like checking your emails and things before you get out of bed or like first thing in the morning. But I find for me mentally and just time-wise, like it, it helps me to do that right away just to give me an idea of like how I might need to spend my time later. So mm-hmm. if there's like a chunk of emails that I do need to respond to, I know they're there. I'm not going to respond. Like I don't ever respond to anything right away because it is a protection of time, right? Like mm-hmm, I'm just absolutely. opening it to see what's there so that mentally I know that I'm going to have to do that later. And that's just how I need to operate because otherwise I'm going to spend my time thinking about who I need to check my email. I should really check it because I get obsessive about those things sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I just would rather know like what's sitting there. And then I know that I can free up my mind. And again, that's like mental waste, right. Or like that emotional stuff sitting in there that's like nagging at me and it doesn't seem like a big deal but I know we all experience it like that's why we check our phones all the time because yeah. it's in our head it's in our yeah. head and it's in our hand so and also you know pretty lights and and bells and alarms and things <laughs> right right yeah yeah for sure um, that's why all my notification things are off because oh, I don't want that there you go. There you go. Okay. So we've talked yeah. about the physical waste. We've talked about the emotional waste and time waste that's going on. Um, so our last big category of waste is is the economic waste. Um, and I think, you know, this might feel a little bit strange uh, because, you know, how can we have waste when our budgets are so thin in schools? Um, but I think when we really stop and reflect about it, there is some economic waste going on. For example, um, (laughs) jumping in headfirst to a new program or a new tool and buying the resources, sending everyone off for the training, only to discover shortly afterwards that it does not meet our needs and we have to abandon that and bring something else in and we've just wasted all of that time and money. Um, Yes. So can you think of some other examples of where we might see some economic waste in our schools? Yeah, I feel like the economic part is sometimes just, it ties into timing, right? So sometimes schools get their budgets and they have enough time to figure out like how they need to spend their money, which is great. But there are times when it's like, maybe additional like federal funding for something comes up. It's like, you have to spend this by, you know, in two weeks. So make a decision Mm. because otherwise like, you know, and so sometimes that rush to just find something to spend the money on is stressful. And, you know, like schools are always looking at stuff anyway. So they probably have a list of things in mind. But when you can't necessarily align it to your strategic plan or whatever your school improvement goals are or whatever, and that's, again, a different conversation, (laughs) but um, you you need to be able to like have that in mind so that when those kind of situations do come up, it's like we do, we'd have this funding, we need to use it quickly. Um, It is helpful when you know you can only use it for certain things like professional Mm -hmm. learning, which is great. But again, then... um, do you have the right amount of time to like strategically strategically pick the right learning for who's in front of you? Or are you just going to blanket like 
we're all going to do this training or is it going to be individualized? So, and we know that the issues with just giving any, everybody the same training or experience when it's not necessarily needed. And I think that's why sometimes it's great if schools are having the option to hire people who can help them do things better with what they're already doing. And that's, that's exactly what we talk about all the time when we're talking about bringing principles of minimalism into our schools. Like this is not a program, right? This is like changing the way we think about something. Mm -hmm. We're changing the way we think about all of the waste that we have in our schools. And so if we can have someone or a team or, you know, whatever, come in and help us reconceptualize or reimagine, rethink the things that we're doing right now, instead of buying the next program, if we have that option, then that's the investment that should be made, right? Because you're investing in the people, you're investing your time and money into the people that are in front of you. Yeah. Rather than we just got to buy this new program. And I know that sometimes you like schools don't have the choice because there's an update in curriculum and you have to update your program. You know, we're not talking about that. But even when you do have to have some kind of specific program update, who's helping you do the, the updating and the understanding of what it is that's in front of you or what the change is, right? So I, mm-hmm. I'm always like a big believer in the people resource and like having the right people help you do the things that are just going to make the best change for you or with you, I should say, not for you. Yeah. And I think that eliminates a lot of waste. I agree with you. And and adding on to that, I think one thing we might not always think about is is the cost of having high turnover. You know, when right. we when we employ people at schools, like there is some money being um outlaid on on that person mm-hmm. as far as, you know, maybe moving there or at least the orientation yeah. and the training and all of that sort of thing. And so if you have a workplace where people don't want to stick around because they're burning out or they don't like it, they're miserable, you're actually yeah. uh, wasting finances there by continually having to to bring in and train up new people over and over again. So if you can actually have a workplace where people want to be and they're yeah. happy and excited and and meaningfully challenged, then you're saving yourself going through that process over and over again. Yeah, exactly. So I think we can move on to our wonderful pair down pointer for today. What do you think? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we really wanted to highlight today, just while we're talking about waste, um, is the importance of having some sort of decompression ritual between work and home. So sometimes that emotional waste, the psychological waste, um, we don't leave it at work. We bring it home with us and and it has that impact on our family time or our home time. Um, So having some sort of ritual that you do 
that makes it sound like it has to be like a big performance or something, doesn't it? But we don't mean it like that. It can literally no. just be your walk home, sitting in your mm-hmm. car for five minutes before you get into your house or before you leave the car park even. Um, just some sort of tradition that you have that is going to help your brain and your body recognise that you're no longer at work and now it's home time, it's relaxed time, it's family time. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely for me, it's, it's walking. I walk home every day and just having that moment to look at the trees and the leaves and the flowers, it's springtime here at the moment. So there's flowers everywhere. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. just taking that little walk home as a, as a decompression moment is, is really helpful for me. Do you have one that you use yourself, Tammy? I also walk a lot and it's usually in the mornings when I can, um, mm-hmm to kind of mentally prepare myself for the day. So Mm -hmm. I use it as a mental preparation. Um, But I did the same as you, like when I taught in New York, I would walk home a couple of miles through Central Park um, because I needed to like unpeople myself. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you're around people, you're around that high energy all day long. And it was just really nice to like, I often took the subway too, but on some days I just needed to be outside, walk, be with my thoughts. I wouldn't even listen to music or anything, just like listen to the sounds of the city. And by the time I got home, then I was good. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like I had decompressed enough to um, not feel like I had to think about being at work the next day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, walking, walking is like, just good medicine. Yeah. hundred percent agree really with is. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the best. Okay. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for us for this episode and we will see you next time. Today's episode sponsor is Professional Learning Partnerships. They empower educators to transform learning, leadership, and culture in school districts by leveraging key ideas from brain science so that all students and adults can thrive. Be sure to join Tammy and Christine and guests for more episodes of the Minimalist Educator Podcast. They would love to hear about your journey with minimalism. Connect with them at PlanZPLS on Twitter or Instagram. The music for the podcast has been written and performed by Gaia Moretti.